Good morning. Our scripture reading for this morning is taken from the book of Matthew. I'll begin in chapter 1 with verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is God's word. If you're new here or, or relatively new, we, we've developed our own Advent tradition at Christmas time where we meditate, we reflect on famous Christmas carols uh, that many people have sung throughout their lives, but we reflect on them. We get specific about uh, phrases or words or stanzas, and we just think about them prayerfully and uh, consider the scriptural background to them. So that's what we're going to do this Advent season. We're going to start with Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. This will be the first one we look at. It was written by Charles Wesley. He had a famous brother, John Wesley. Charles Wesley wrote 6,500 hymns, over, more than 6,500 hymns. This is just one of them. And Charles Wesley published, published Come Thou Long Expected Jesus in 1744. That was a time when all the great Western powers were vying for colonial dominance and uh, dominance over, over the continent of Europe, countries like Austria, Great Britain, France, Spain. Actually, 1744 was the very beginning of what was called King George's War. And the boy George Washington was only 12 years old. And so Charles Wesley writes this, and he captures the bright expectation of an eternal king, a king from heaven, a king that would, not George, a king that would come from God. Not the great uh, uh, Maria Teresa, but a monarch that would come from heaven. And you know, we culturally, I wanna talk about the uh, situation today. Um, the holidays are rich with expectations. I, I love Christmas time. I, I think it's arguably my favorite time of year just purely for cultural reasons. Like, I'm not even giving you a holy answer. I just love Christmas time. And, and I've, held, I've held great expectations for Christmas time ever since I was a kid because you get to see people that you normally don't see. We had, we had a group of cousins that lived in California, and I only got to see them as a kid at Christmas time. And I would look forward to seeing those people every year. For the entire year, I would wait. And, and you, you also enjoy tasting certain types of food. 
if you have a particular ethnic tradition, or if your family's really, really big on making certain types of dishes or, or Christmas cookie recipes, you wait all year, because you don't eat that all year. There's that one cookie that tastes a certain way, that smells a certain way when it's being baked. And you wait all year to smell that and then to taste it, don't you? And, and, and I enjoy cultural traditions. Like, I love listening to Bing Crosby. Nowadays, it's on Spotify. 20, 30 years ago, you pop the CD, or, or maybe some of you people, the L, you put the LP on. Or maybe if you've really been around a long time, those ceramic 33s from the 1920s. Um, but you, 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 you hear Ella Fitzgerald. You listen to her. Ella Fitzgerald sings Sleigh Ride. And, and, and I love this time of year for those cultural reasons. And let's be honest, we anticipate giving and receiving gifts. That's a lot of fun. That's really enjoyable. So, so we have all these bright, rich expectations. I know I do. And then real life interrupts all of them, or some of them, right? Just like Clark Griswold learned one Christmas, right? One unmet expectation after another burnt his Christmas to an absolute crisp, right? And, and, and so, you know, someone might, and maybe that's happened to you, someone overcooks a beloved meal of yours. Now, in my family, growing up on Long Island, we, one of our traditions, and now this was actually for New Year's Eve, but it's the same time frame, and one of our traditions was we would have Italian-style sausage and peppers on New Year's Eve. We would call it sausage and peppers. Sausage and peppers, we're having a sausage and peppers. And you have to say it that way for it to taste right. So, so this was a big deal in our family. And this one, I don't remember, I must have been in high school or something, but, but one, one year, one fateful cursed year, one relative burned the Italian sausage for the sausage and peppers. And like, I'm telling you, 30 years later, we're still, people are still talking about it. And, 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 and what has officially happened in family lore is the reason this relative messed up the sausage and peppers is because he was an in-law. <laughs> and, and so that will happen sometimes. You have this wonderful tradition and it gets burnt to a crisp. Or... This is very, very realistic. As you grow up and develop responsibilities, it's not the same. The nostalgia is not the same for you if you become a parent or you have to work through most of Christmas week or you're the one doing all the cooking and procuring of gifts and food and wrapping presents. And, and so everybody else is having a great time and, and you're kind of exhausted and frustrated. Or maybe some of your loved ones voted differently than you did in November. And you're worried that conversations are going to get political around the Christmas dinner table. So instead of just excitement, you're, you're anxious about getting together with certain loved ones. And let's be honest, people die, right? Like Christmas isn't the same when you miss somebody. You, you, sometimes it's your first Christmas where that person isn't with you anymore. And, and sometimes that that bite, it never really leaves you, or at least for many years. You, you, you deal with your own loss at this time of year, right? Deep expectations, not just bright ones, but deep expectations that are frustrated by our conflict, by our losses, and of course by Murphy's Law. 
which is that anything that can go wrong will go wrong and at the worst possible time. So do you want to have a Merry Christmas? If you do, you need to adjust your expectations. So much of our happiness and contentment is based on how far apart our expectations are from reality, I once heard somebody say. We need to bring our expectations in line with reality as much as possible. And if you want to have a Merry Christmas, you have to begin adjusting your expectations. When we sing the words from Charles Wesley's famous carol, Come, thou long-expected Jesus, and we're going to sing it at the end of the service. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. Those words invite us to ask ourselves, what should we expect? What is on my wish list? What is on my mind? What am I hoping for? In the Old Testament, in the Bible, there's all this great expectation for a coming Messiah, for God's King. And when you heard Avery talk to the kids earlier, she gave a a beautiful five-minute arc of what what scholars call redemptive history. She gave it from from the beginning right up until the time of Jesus. And and really, it's true, for thousands of years, the ancient Jews were waiting for God's king to come. From God's promise to Eve that her seed would one day crush the serpent's head, to Micah, thousands of years probably later, Micah saying that the promised king would be born in Messiah. The Old Testament was full of hope. And John, uh, John, Charles Wesley captured that expectancy in that carol with phrases like calling Jesus the hope of all the earth, the dear desire of every nation, and the joy of every longing heart. Longing for what? We have to ask ourselves that question. Longing for what? For deliverance. That's what he's singing about. Born by people to deliver. Deliver us from what? That's what we have to ask. Deliver us from what? Well, there was a strong expectation for the ancient Jews of Jesus' day uh, that, that what the Messiah would do was liberate them politically. A big expectation was for political deliverance. And of course, the Jews had corporately remembered centuries before just 500 years of slavery to the Egyptians. And after that, it was exile in Babylon. And after that, it was one occupation after another, the ancient Greeks. And now finally, in Jesus' day, the Romans had subjugated them. And so in their collective consciousness, there was this great expectation for political and social liberation. So the apostles, so the the disciples who had been with Jesus for three years when he rose from the dead still asked him, and it's recorded in Acts chapter 1, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? We take for granted the fact that you know, the disciples still had a lot to learn even after Jesus rose from the dead. So Jesus is getting ready to ascend back into heaven and he's commissioned them to make disciples of all nations and they're still asking him political questions. Is, is now the time, Lord, that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He had to adjust their expectations even then, even having been with him for three years. As a matter of fact, 
John's gospel tells us that when the Sanhedrin, these were the the religious leaders in Jerusalem, very influential, powerful people, when the Sanhedrin realized that Jesus had no political aspirations at all as a Messiah, they were disenfranchised. And they said to one another in John chapter 11, if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. Oh, what a terrible thing. That's literally what they were worried about. They said if, if, if he pushes his agenda, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. You see that expectation, what they were hoping for and what they were so disappointed about in Jesus when he revealed what he was really about, right? When he would say things like to Pontius Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. But Wesley and we sing the words from our fears and sins release us. You see that? It's from the oppression of evil that Jesus came to deliver us. Not political deliverance, but spiritual deliverance, emotional deliverance, social deliverance from the evil outside and the evil within. Judy read Matthew chapter 1, and it's there that we find out that the angel who visited Joseph said to him, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. For he will save his people from their sins. That refers back to the name, Jesus. Iesus, it was, it was the Greek transliteration to the old Hebrew Yeshua, or earlier than that, Joshua, which simply meant the Lord saves. The child's name itself promised deliverance, but from sin. This is what they needed to understand. This is how their expectations had to be adjusted, that their king had come to deliver them, not from the Romans, but from their own sin. The purpose of Christ's first coming, Advent means coming, but the first coming was all about forgiveness and reconciliation and peace. What did you expect? If you're a new Christian, or if you're young and you haven't thought these things through, or if you've sung this many, many times and really haven't given much thought of it, what were you expecting? Ask yourself now, what do I expect from God? We are plagued by so many unmet expectations in our lives. And maybe it's just how you want Christmas to go, but maybe it's a lot bigger than that. Maybe it's about how you want your marriage to go or what you want your retirement plan to look like or how you want people to see you in life and understand your personality. But our plans to succeed are foiled. We want somebody to love us. We want someone to affirm who we are and all that we've worked so hard to accomplish. Or we want our wealth to increase. Or we want our burdens or a particular uh, burden to lift. Or a certain individual to go away and not bother us anymore. We want COVID to end. And it doesn't work that way. And, and we'll use another movie personality from, from American uh, uh, Christmas Americana. George Bailey, maybe maybe my favorite Christmas movie of all time, and so you unfortunately, like with the Lord of the Rings illustrations, at Christmas time you have to put up with Brian's It's a Wonderful Life illustration, sorry. Maybe see what other pastors in other churches, what their favorite Christmas movies are. And uh, just kidding, please stay with us. (laughs) Just kidding. 
You'll like It's a Wonderful Life someday. If I get through to you three weeks, four weeks a year, eventually you'll like the movie. Um, so George Bailey, he's frustrated, and he becomes bitter. He you know, had so much promise, so talented, such a wonderful, such a wonderful young man, and he grows up, and, and he gets frustrated with life, and he becomes really bitter because his life doesn't pan out the way he had dreamed it would. Now, it turned out he actually had, as the title suggests, a wonderful life. He really did. But he, he couldn't see it. Do you hear that? He had a wonderful life, but he didn't see it. And that really gets to the point of today. Your problem is not with your unmet expectations. Your problem is with your false expectations. That's the issue. Not unmet expectations. We all have those. Your problem is false expectations. You have misinterpreted your deepest expectations with God's promises. You have made the two one. And you've got to be able to keep those things distinct. Your expectations, which may be very good, and God's promises, and God's unsearchable will that you can't know until you're going through it and have had time to look back on it. And really, in one sense, that's what sin is. It's wanting something, expecting something, craving it, demanding it from God when he hasn't promised it to you. When there's nowhere in the word of God that says you're absolutely guaranteed that thing. I'm going to tread lightly here, but if, if, if we would rewrite Charles Wesley's carol according to our American expectations today, and maybe similar to what, what the, the Sanhedrin and the disciples surrounding Jesus expected, the carol would have gone something like this. Verse 2, born thy citizens to deliver, elected a president, and yet like a king, Elected to reign in us for four or eight years. Now thy gracious administration bring. By thine own charisma and spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient policy, make this country our eternal home. And, and, and look, like that is basically a modern version of what the disciples were asking Jesus to do. That is a contemporary version of what the Sanhedrin wanted. Everybody who betrayed Jesus and denied Jesus and scratched their heads at Jesus and walked away from him, that is what they wanted. I've just given you contemporary language for it. The issue is not our unmet expectations. The issue is our false ones. But instead, we sing the glorious words, by thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. That's what God promises. This is the good stuff that we cannot lose if we trust in Jesus. The only righteous human who ever lived paid your debt, paid your debt. Your debt to a holy God. And Jesus may not deliver to you what you want for Christmas or what you want from the government or what you want from your spouse 
or what you want from your pastor or from your church or from a friend or from your boss or from your children. But Jesus will absolutely deliver to you forgiveness from your sin. And he will deliver you from your guilt and from your shame. He will absolutely deliver you from your sin and its guilt, and he will absolutely impress upon you the joy of his salvation and the peace of knowing that you are reconciled to your creator. And that will reboot your soul. When this becomes your greatest expectation, by thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. When that becomes my expectation, it gives my soul a reboot, and it reformats my expectations. Do you want to have a Merry Christmas? Adjust your expectations. Do you want to have joy in your life? Do you want to have, as Philippians 4 says, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding? 12 months of the year, not just now. Adjust your expectations. Adjust them to what the Lord Jesus Christ said he promises to do. Joseph was expecting a quiet divorce. Now, you can divorce somebody you were betrothed to in those days. And, and you know, he didn't want to, it, it looked, Mary's pregnancy looked like a scandalous situation. He didn't have an answer for it. He couldn't explain it. And he was just going to quietly and gently do, uh, call off the engagement. But God adjusted his expectations, didn't he? And he went through with it, and he called the child Jesus. The Lord saves. God fulfills his promises in unexpected ways. Born a child, and yet a king. It is the greatest irony and paradox that God sent his king to humanity as a little baby. You know, in, 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 in a poor environment, hunted for his life. But that's, that's how God works. His promises remain true, and he fulfills them but in a, manner, in a manner that defies our expectations. Our holiday dinners may burn to a crisp, and some of the gifts we unwrap may need to be returned, and our relatives may instigate our political passions, and the hours of daylight will be the shortest they are all year, and we will struggle missing those we have lost. But Jesus was born to deliver us. And Jesus has released you. Listen to this carefully. Jesus has released you from your identity as a sinner. He has released you from your identity as an orphan and God's enemy. You may not always feel that way, but I'm telling you, he has released you from those identities. You are a forgiven child of God, and he is coming back for you. And that's Advent, coming in Latin. It is why we celebrate Christmas, because the one who came is coming back. He will absolutely do it. Will it defy your expectations? Absolutely. You can count on it. 
but he's going to come back. Hope in him. Desire him. Long for Jesus. Put Jesus as the only thing on your wish list. Jesus. Desire of every nation. Joy of every longing heart, right? So, so we'll start Advent season by saying to each other, let's not put our hope in a holiday. Enjoy it, but let's not put our hope in it. Put our hope in what Jesus has done and what he is returning to finish. He is coming back to finish what he has started. And in that sense, let's have a Merry Christmas. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. And then we'll sing this. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we, we worship you and we declare that you, you are the, the joy of every longing heart. You are the true desire of all nations, whether they realize it or not. Help us to seek you above all things. Help us to adjust our expectations to your promises and your truth. And help us to remind them of each other as any of us forgets. Lord, may this be a Merry Christmas. May it be a blessed Advent because we keep our eyes on Jesus. Help us. We need your help. And Lord Jesus, we ask that you would come again. Amen.